Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right. Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Always a pleasure to be here with you uh, to discuss our Catholic faith, to discuss our health, to discuss our mental health, our physical health, and our spiritual health, of course. As Catholics, it's important to think like Catholics so that we can live like Catholics, and then we can say that we are Catholic so that we can be Catholic. Today's show, you know, it's the month of the rosary here. It's October. And really, I want to do a little bit of a deep dive into what does it mean? Why do we pray the rosary? And ultimately, what's the goal? Uh, We know what the rosary is. We know how to think about the rosary. But have we stopped to think about the rosary as a tool, uh, not something in and of itself. It's not an end to itself. We pray the rosary in order to become saints. And if we're going to become saints, well, what does that mean? We want to get to heaven. We want to be in the presence of God. And we want to finish that race, as St. Paul tells us. And the rosary is a means of getting there. And sometimes it can feel overwhelming. It can feel like, oh, I could never be a saint. And to anybody who tells me they can't be a saint, I say, good luck, because that's what we're all called to. We don't have a choice. Sainthood just means being in heaven. Today's show, I think what I want to do, the, the biggest deep dive on is, what do the saints have to say? If we're going to be saints and we're going to pray the rosary this month, what's our goal? Is we're, we're going to focus on the life of Christ, and that's great. But I want to hear from our colleagues, from our saintly colleagues, to hear what their thought process is. Because really, the rosary, what it's going to do for us, it's going to help us be saints. So it's going to help us think like saints. And if I want to think like a saint and be like a saint, well, I better learn from somebody who might have already been there. So today's show, I want to uh, just relax. It's going to be a relaxation show because I think there's been a lot of chaos in the world lately. I think people are uh, feeling up in arms and we're going to talk about the rosary a little bit. And then the rest of the show, we're going to look at different quotes from the saints and we're going to see how does that apply to our lives? How does that apply to our health, to our mental health, to our physical health, and more importantly, to our spiritual health so that we can learn from saints and be like saints. We learn from examples, right? But let's start the show with the angels here at the top of the noon hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, 
cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let's get started here. For prayer is nothing else than being on terms of friendship with God. For prayer is nothing else than being on terms of friendship with God. That is a quote from St. Teresa of Avila, St. Teresa the Great. We just celebrated her feast day last week. Um, you know, and she tells us, why do we pray? If we're going to talk about the rosary, it's a month of the rosary. We're going to pray the rosary. What is prayer? Sometimes we forget and we start to ask ourselves, we say, oh, I have to pray. And a lot of times we talk about prayer more than actually praying. Um, but to sit there and pray, what is it really that we're doing? We think that we need to do some kind of a magic formula, something that we're going to get closer to God and we're going to will it. Um, because we're really going to be with God. And I think that if we ever had a friend to sit down with us and we're going to have a cup of coffee and they tell us how much they want to be with us and how they want to be with us, we would say, slow down. You're already with me. Let's just talk about life. The best conversations that we have with friends are when we talk about life, what's going on, and usually the simple things. If we have heavy conversations all the time, we leave feeling heavy. But with a friend, we can just be ourselves. We can bring our problems. We can have light conversations. We can laugh about simple things. And really, St. Teresa of Avila reminds us of that. For prayer is nothing else than being on terms of friendship with God. Which means that if I show up to pray, and when I'm going to go pray the rosary, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to focus on the life of Christ, and I'm just going to think of God as my friend. And we're going to sit down and we're going to have a conversation. And it's really going to be more of a remember when, Remember when you did that? And what is it that we're going to say remember when about? Let's go to the rosary a little bit because this is an important month. And this is the, you know, the, the month of the rosary, the month uh, uh, where we pray our, our lady uh, gave the rosary in our pious tradition. We know that our lady gave the rosary to St. Dominic. His, his name was St. Dominic of Osma, of course, founder of the Dominicans. And he uh, gave, you know, she uh, uh, gave him the rosary and told him to pray it. Uh, sometimes we call the rosary uh, the crown of roses. Sometimes we call it the garland of roses. Um, and so it's also called the Dominican rosary because it was uh, through St. Dominic that we got the rosary. But what is it really? The rosary, if we look at it from a, from a Catholic perspective, a lot of people think, oh, you're just meditating and praying to Mary and you're praying to Hail Mary. But the reality is no. The reality is just like that quote from St. Teresa of Avila. The rosary reminds us of a time of what Christ did for us, when Christ came to us. It's the, really the life of Christ more than anything else. And, you know, friends might say, well, why through Mary? Well, because it was through Mary that Christ came to the world. Had it not been for Our Lady saying yes to the angel Gabriel, we would not have had Christ uh, deliver, come to the world and deliver us from sin. And so when we sit there and pray the rosary, it should be more of a remember when, you know, let's go through the mysteries of the rosary just so we understand. Uh, what we're talking about. So the joyful mysteries, right? So there's there's 15 mysteries total. If we're going to look at the uh, luminous mysteries, I'm sorry, I said 15. There's 20 mysteries total. If we're going to look at the luminous mysteries that St. John Paul II gave us, but let's look at the first, the classic 15 mysteries, and then we're going to look at the luminous mysteries. So the joyful mysteries, of course, the Annunciation, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and asks her or tells her that Christ, that God wants her to be the mother of Christ. She's astounded. She doesn't understand his greeting. He greeted her as though she was high royalty and she did not understand why. Um, and really more than anything else, it's the virtue of humility that we gain from that first mystery. We understand, you know, when our, when God comes to us, we got, we need to have that humble stance. 
We need to think of how Our Lady uh, approached uh, uh, the greeting from the angel. She didn't say, well, of course I'm so important. Of course I'm high in the eyes of God. She said, what are you talking about? This is me. I'm, I'm simple. There's nothing here. I am, I am the lowest of the low, is how she felt in her humility in her heart. When we realize that she is the greatest saint and there's not going to be a greater human than her other than Christ divine uh, is, uh, and when he took on in, when he in, became incarnate uh, at that moment, at the moment of the Annunciation. So people can say, you know, gosh, that's all about Mary. But no, at that moment, as soon as she, as soon as she said yes, you know, what happened? Christ appeared on earth. It was in her womb. She became the tabernacle. And really, that's a, a remember when. Remember when Christ was first incarnate. Remember when he first had that moment of conception in the womb of Our Lady um, is the Annunciation. The next one is the visitation. So what does Our Lady do? If we're going to learn from the saints, we better learn from the best. When we pray the rosary, we're learning from Christ and Mary. And this, it doesn't get better than that. The rest of the show, we're going to talk about the other saints too. But this first part, I want to focus on the rosary and see what did Our Lady do? What did the greatest saint who ever walked on this earth do when Christ approached, to her with a, approached her with a mission? So the visitation, the first thing she does is she doesn't keep this gift to herself. She goes and she visits her cousin Elizabeth. Now, lo and behold, her cousin Elizabeth was already with child, right? She had St. John the Baptist, but she goes and she visits her. When God gives us these gifts, what are we supposed to do as saints? How are we going to get to heaven? Once I'm praying my rosary and I get these inspirations, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to share that love of God. I don't keep it to myself. I go and I visit Elizabeth, which could be my brother, my neighbor. Who am I going to go visit? Who am I going to share my joy with when God has touched my life? I need to share that with others because then God's going to work through us and help us touch each other's lives. The next one is the nativity. Once we do that, once we start to share that, we say yes to God. We say we share our, our, our love of God and the gifts that God gave us with our neighbor. Then we have the birth of Christ. Now, obviously there was the birth of Christ literally, and we can do a remember when Christ was born. Remember Christmas? Yeah, we celebrated at Christmas every year right? We, we celebrate the birth of Christ every year. But what Our Lady's really showing us is we say yes to God. We share our love of God with our neighbor and Christ is going to be born in our hearts. Didn't Christ tell us that when two or more are gathered in his name, he's right there. He is born. He is there. He is alive. These are the things that we really want to think about as we're thinking about the nativity. Yes, we focus on the life of Christ, but we've got to remember the life of Christ is really an influence on our life. It means something for us every day. The next one is a presentation of Jesus at the temple. So what is that teaching us? It's teaching us that it was, a, it was a happy occasion because it is a joyful mystery, but we also know it's one of the seven sorrows, right? Because that's when Mary also got the news. St. Simeon told her, you know, your, your child's going to suffer. Um, and this, this was a sword that pierced Our Lady's heart. We've got to remember that with the love, with the wisdom of God, with knowing the truth, there is going to be pain in this world. So we're going to be happy to present our gifts to God, to present our gifts back to God. Once we've, you know, reached out to our neighbors, shared our gift, we're going to present back to God. And then all of a sudden, what's going to happen? We know that there's going to be suffering. There has to be suffering for the kingdom of God. There's no way we can get to the kingdom of God without there being some kind of suffering in our lives. So even though it's a joyful uh, mystery, we think of joyful suffering. And, and what's joyful suffering? It's really our sacrifice to God. So we're going to do... Our, our sacrifice of our lives and offering it up to God. We're almost here at the break. We're going to do the last joyful mystery here, finding of Jesus in the temple. Once we do that, we offer our sacrifice to God. Guess what? That's where we find Christ. That's where we can settle with Christ in our joyful suffering, which is really a sacrifice to God 
our love, giving everything back to God and Christ. We'll continue the rosary after the break. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today, we're talking about how to live a saintly life. And here in the month of October, we're going to do that as we learn about the rosary. What does it mean in our lives? It's the month of the rosary. Hopefully, we're praying our rosaries. And before the break, we were talking about the joyful mysteries and how really joyful mysteries, if we can sum it up, is we accept God's mission. We hope to share our love and joy of God with others. Christ is born in our hearts at that time. And then all of a sudden we realize that there might be a sacrifice, but we have true conversion to Christ. We find Christ in that temple. We, we have a problem or anything along those lines. We go to the temple and that's where we find Christ. We go to church, we go to mass, we go to the Eucharist. If we move on and we look at what happens next, you know, the sorrowful mysteries are, uh, are a representation that reminds us that Christ suffered for us. And we say, remember when Christ suffered for us? Remember when he did that so that we can make it to heaven? But it reminds us that we have to carry our cross as well, whether it be the agony in the garden, which is the first sorrowful mystery, the scourging at the pillar, the crowning with thorns, the carrying of the cross, the way of the cross, ultimately to the crucifixion. It reminds us that our sacrifice is going to be lifelong and it's going to be entire. We have to give ourselves entirely to God. Jesus didn't hold back. You know, there, it, the sacrifice of Christ, we know that he gave us his very last drop of blood. He was crucified. He was crucified in front of everybody in what would have been a very humiliating way. And we have to give ourselves up in a way that we forget about ourselves. Jesus said, unless you die, you don't have eternal life. And this is really what he meant. Now, a lot of people might be thinking, well, Dr. Sandoval, I'm not going to go die on a cross. Literally, I don't know how I'm going to pass. And that's right. We're not talking literally. Christ did that for us, literally. But in our lives, we have to die to a few different things. Sometimes we have to die when we're humiliated at work. Or sometimes we have to die when our neighbor is not nice to us. And what does it mean to die? It means that I'm not necessarily going to fight back the way they think. I'm going to offer this up to God. I'm, Christ never fought back at all as he was being crucified. He knew what the truth was. He knew what his mission was. And he knew that his message was going to bring strife and that people weren't going to be happy with it. But what does he do? He moves forward. He takes the sacrifice, and he offers himself entirely to the last blood. That's what we do for God, where we say, if somebody's hurting me, I'm not going to go back and hurt them and spite and revenge. I'm going to take up my cross, and I'm going to move forward, and I'm going to pray for them. And hopefully I can say, just like Christ did, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There's a sorrow to that. There, it is hard. There is a death to that inside of us. We feel like we're, we're smaller than we really are. We want to be important. But the reality is our glory comes from God. And that's what, what does Christ said? Into your hands I commend my spirit. He turns to the Father and he wants us to do the same. In those moments where we feel we're being beaten down or less than, we turn to God the Father and say, into your hands I commend my spirit. And that's really what it comes down to. Uh, our sacrifice is worth something. Why? Because that's going to take us to the glorious mysteries. And in the glorious mysteries, we see that once we do this, once we die to God, uh, once we die to the world and we're alive for God, I should say, through the love of the Holy Spirit, God is going to bring us back up and we're going to have our resurrection. We get into the glorious mysteries. There is a resurrection. There is going to be an ascension. So first we're going to come back to ourselves and in, in the resurrection, we're going to be body and soul and we're going to understand things better. We're going to see things better and we're not going to be so bogged down by this world. Once we have that, then we're going to have our ascension. We're ready to go to heaven. We're ready to make it to heaven. Once we get to heaven, we're going to have that wisdom. 
We're going to gain that wisdom from the descent of the Holy Spirit, which is the third glorious mystery. Uh, and then the last two mysteries, we're going to go back to Our Lady. Why do we go back to Our Lady in the last two mysteries? Because we've got to remember that it was through Our Lady that salvation came into this world. She said yes, and the reward for saying yes, she reminds us, is we make it to heaven. We make it to heaven. God keeps his promises. Our Lady was assumed to heaven in body and spirit because she was sinless. She was, she was without blemish, just like Christ. And as a reward, she got her crown. She was crowned as the queen of the universe, the queen of heaven and earth, the queen over everything. We are going to get our crown as well, whatever level our crown is. And we're going to be very happy with our crown individually. This is what the rosary is about. Really, once we meditate on the life of Christ, when we meditate on the life of Our Lady with Christ, we start to remember that this has to be an example to us to live a saintly life. And we have to become saints. You know, the luminous mysteries, I think, are important as well. Some people, uh, there's a little bit of controversy at times. I remember when they came out, some people said, oh, Pope John Paul shouldn't be adding or taking away from the rosary. It should just be the 15 mysteries. But I think that they're an, an important uh, mysteries to look at. Normally, we pray those uh, on uh, Thursdays. Uh, with the luminous mysteries uh, as the day of that. But if we look at them, I think it's important to look at the luminous mysteries because we have to remember in this world, we're always looking for miracles. And we love to hear miracle stories. And this happened and this was a miracle, was not expecting it to happen. My friend had cancer. They were surely on their deathbed. And lo and behold, uh, they, they were cured miraculously. Somebody went to Lourdes or to Fatima. And what happened to them? They were cured miraculously, right? We say this all the time. Should not have happened. The luminous mysteries, I think, are that part of our life. It reminds us that there is a heaven. It reminds us that as we're going through the suffering and we're hoping to gain that crown, it really reminds us that while we're here, God can touch our lives and give us a little piece of heaven, a little piece of a mystery of the, of the miracles that can happen in our lives. Let's look at these. The first one is the baptism of Christ. And what happens at the baptism of Christ? All of a sudden, Christ is baptized. St. John the Baptist is telling him, no, 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 I can't do that. You know, I should be, uh, you should be baptizing me. I'm not fit to, to undo your sandals. And Jesus said, this is the way it must be. We take on God's mission. Christ is baptized and the heavens open and we see the Holy Spirit come down and we hear the voice of God. What is that? That's what sometimes we call it theophany. God is revealing himself to us as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is revealing himself to us as he is. And that's really what's happening when there's miracles in our lives. We pray the luminous mystery. We have to think not just Christ was baptized, but this is God revealing himself to us. I should expect that in my life. I should see that happening in my life. The next one is the wedding at Cana. Wonderful story. I think we all love this story. The classic Jesus turns the water into wine. It's the moment of the wedding. It's the wedding feast. It's what Christ is calling us to. He turns the water into wine, a foreshadowing of him turning the wine into his blood. It gets better and better. So not only are we drinking water and he turns it into fine wine, which the uh, wine taster told him, gosh, you saved the best uh, for last, what happened? He told the groom, normally you get, uh, you know, most people give the best wine first. And then when people are, are, have been drinking a little bit and they can't taste the difference, he gives them, you know, the, the less expensive wine, but you saved your finer wine till the end. God is going to give us finer wine. And then he reminds us, no, I'm going to turn wine into my own blood. I'm going to give you the best feast ever. I'm going to give you a taste of heaven. These are all the main miracles that we need to think about. The third one is the kingdom of God or the Jesus proclamation on the Sermon on the Mounts where God tells us about the Beatitudes. Now, why would the Sermon on the Beatitudes be something that tells us about heaven? Why is this something that tells us, why is this a miracle? Because God tells us in that moment, Jesus tells us that 
Getting to heaven is much more simple than we think about. He is the new law. And there were so many laws that they would follow before. You know, and we look at the Old Testament, the Pharisees, and they had their list of laws, and they had to do this and that. And Jesus breaks it down. And he comes and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger for justice. You know, he's saying, this is what really, where heaven really is. Heaven is in the simple things. It's in the heart. Where is your heart's desire? Do you desire what is pure, what is good? That's what's going to get you to heaven. That's really what it comes down to. Do you desire to love God? This is the miracle that happens where Christ tells us it's very simple. You're making it a lot harder than it is. And it makes sense. If you put us all in this world and people come from all different areas of life, some people have uh, you know, great socioeconomic status, some people are very poor, yet Christ desires salvation for all of us, there must be a very simple formula so that the very last person on the face of the earth has a chance to be saved. There's no question about that. That's important to think about. The transfiguration, the fourth luminous mystery, very important. Again, just like in the baptism, the transfiguration, now Christ shows himself in his glory. A little bit of that to the apostles, so much so that Peter was telling him, no, now we have to stay here. We have to set up a a bit of a chapel, if you will. He wanted to set up tents. And he said, no, we can't go back. And, And right after that, Christ tells him, hey, I, uh, I gotta be, I gotta go die. I gotta be crucified. And St. Peter's like, no, you can't. He just saw something wonderful and he saw Christ transfigured. This is the miracle where we see Christ transfigured in our lives. We want to see that. We want to see the light of Christ. When the transfiguration happened, it said that he became whiter than white. Uh, and that light is just luminous. We want to see those miracles in our lives. How many times do we turn to our neighbor and we have a moment where we know that we laugh about something, we share something, and we're transfigured inside. A kind word, somebody says something very nice to us and lifts our spirits for the day. We can be transfigured on a, on a daily basis. This is where our saintly life calls us to. This is where when we pray the rosary and we think about how we're going to be saints, we've got to remember that's the miracle. We have to be transfigured. The miracle's happening now. And the last one is the institution of the Eucharist. It doesn't get better than that. What do we say? The Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. It's where it starts and when it, where it ends. We need nothing else. If we can remember to go to church, that's the ultimate miracle. We've got to get that. Conf- we got to get to confession, of course, so that we can be in the state of grace. And then we need to present ourselves as the bridegroom uh, to the bridegroom. Excuse me, as the bride to the bridegroom. Our souls ready for the bridegroom of Christ to receive Him in that marriage of communion, in that marriage that's supposed to happen at least once a week on Sundays, if not every day. This is really what the rosary reminds us of. It reminds us through the life of Jesus and Mary, the ultimate saints, if you will, um, how we're supposed to live our lives. If we keep it at just thinking about a historical book, if we look at it from, you know, gosh, like a documentary of this is what happened, then I think we're going to be missing the point. We need to really focus and meditate as we're praying our Hail Marys on how does this chapter of the life of Christ, of the life of Mary, what is it inspiring me? How is it telling me to live as a saint? And how do we know we're going to get there? Well, the way that we're going to, we're going to get there is hopefully we're going to start thinking like saints. Hopefully we're going to start acting like saints and hopefully we're going to be saints to each other. How do we know that we're doing that? You know, I I mean, I can pray the rosary by myself and have these wonderful thoughts um, by myself in my room or in church or whatnot. But then how am I treating my neighbor? If I leave there and I treat my neighbor uh, poorly, I think I'm going to be missing the point. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make the mark. And so what we really need to think about is, well, let's look at what the saints have to say about it. I said before, St. Teresa told us, 
For prayer is nothing else than being on terms of friendship with God. That's really what is, is praying the rosary bringing me to a closer friendship with God? Am I feeling that? Is that what it's doing? Um, I hope so. You know, I hope so. Then, then we're kind of making the mark. There's another thing, you know, sometimes we say, oh, I'm too busy. Uh, I'm, gosh, I, I can't get to, I can't stop and pray. I couldn't. I had to go do this task and this task and I have this chore and that chore and I just couldn't uh, accomplish what I need to accomplish. Well, let's listen to what St. Francis has to say about that. He says, start what's d- by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly you are doing the impossible. Start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly you are doing the impossible. So what does that really mean? I mean, if we start doing it by saying, yeah, I really need to do this, well, we have to decide what's necessary. Is it really necessary for me to do those chores? Yes, absolutely. We got to take care of things around the house. I have to go to work. I have to come back and take care of things around the house as well. There's different things that need to happen. I need to go to the grocery store. We need to eat. Is that necessary? Yes, absolutely. However, we should make prayer even more necessary than that to say, I I can't get to the grocery store. I can't even start doing things around the house because I haven't even prayed. That's what's necessary. If I start praying, I'm going to start doing what's necessary Then I'm going to do what's possible, what's possible is to take care of things around the house and achieve the chores. And then all of a sudden through that, I bet you God is going to work in our lives and we're going to do what we feel might have been impossible. As we're going through our lives, offering up our our everyday uh, nuances and chores to God, all of a sudden we're going to reach people as Christ is in our hearts. More quotes from the saints when we come back from the first. All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. As always, it's a pleasure to be here with you. If there are any questions, uh, any you want to reach out to me and say hi, feel free. You can email me at doctor, that's dr. at gmail.com. That's dr.sandovalbmpr at gmail.com. Today we're talking about the rosary and really the rosary as a means to an end. A lot of times here in the month of October, we think of the rosary and we say, we need to pray our rosaries and we need to uh, make sure that we pray our rosaries every night. And Our Lady came to us at Fatima and we just celebrated, you know, October 13th, which was a miracle of the sun at Fatima and Our Lady said to pray the rosary and we forget sometimes why we're praying it. So of course we want to pray it and we, we, uh, uh, want to make sure that we are closer to God and, and we focus on the rosary. But remember, it's a means to an end. It's a means for our own saintliness. Um, and that's really the important part, you know, and as we're praying the rosary and as we're becoming saints, there are going to be strife. There is going to be strife in this life. There are going to be challenges. And what we ask our, got to ask ourselves is, as I'm praying the rosary, am I finding peace in my life? Am I becoming more of a saint? Saint Isaac of Nineveh tells us, be at peace with your own soul, then heaven and earth will be at peace with you. If I'm praying and I'm not finding peace, something's going on. Uh, even though there's strife around our lives, there could be you know chaos going around, but we could be in the eye of the storm at all times, where there's a storm around us, but we are in the quiet solitude of peace. And if we are at peace in our own soul, if we can pray the rosary with the goal of finding peace in our soul, then heaven and earth will be at peace with you. I think something important about praying the rosary and being at peace is, do we smile? Do we smile with each other? Do we see each other and say, hey, how you doing? Greet each other with a nice smile. Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa tells us, let us always meet each other with smile, for the smile is the beginning of love. 
Let us always meet each other with smile, for the smile is the beginning of love. I don't think I ever saw a picture or a moment of Mother Teresa where she was not smiling uh, to a certain extent. I think that there was always a smile uh, whenever I saw her. And she said, that's the beginning of love. You know, that's how we start to love each other. I think that if we start to love each other and God is love, then the smile itself can be a prayer. You know, if I come to somebody with a, with a, uh, a spirit of a smile, a spirit of love, we're going to start to build that relationship, not just with each other, but with God, because we're bringing God into the picture. Uh, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am. And then St. Ignatius tells us, for those who love, if we're going to smile and we're going to start, you know, do the beginning of love as St. Saint, as Saint Mother Teresa tells us, St. Ignatius tells us, for those who love, nothing is too difficult, especially when it is done for the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. At that point, there's nothing impossible. We can accomplish everything. There's there's no question about it. Um, Let's see what St. Jerome has to tell us if we are to be saints. If we're praying the rosary, we're going to find saintliness in our lives. He says, the face is the mirror of the mind, and eyes without speaking confess the secrets of the heart. I think this brings it back in. I think they're all saying the same thing. We, We show up with a smile, then our face has a smile in it. It's the mirror of our mind. It lets us know what somebody's thinking. A kind smile, a sincere smile, not a sinister smile. And the eyes without speaking confess the secrets of the heart. Didn't Christ tell us that the eyes are the windows to the soul? Um, St. Jerome reminds us of that, that if we see somebody's eyes, we look into their hearts and we see how they feel. We know what's going on inside of them. We know where their, their hearts are. And hopefully if we're praying the rosary, it's going to convert our hearts to God and our eyes will bring people closer to God. Hopefully we will have uh, eyes that make people say, I like that person's very happy. Why are they so happy? I like how they look. I like that look in their eyes. And we can say, you know, I pray the rosary. That's how I have these eyes. That's how I get there. When I pray the rosary, I get closer to saintliness. Um, St. Mother Teresa again, spread love everywhere you go. Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. Now there's a thought of a saint. I'm not worried about my happiness. I'm worried about spreading love and happiness. I'm not worried about gaining love and happiness. My job is that if somebody comes to me, I'm going to spread some love and I'm going to spread some happiness. And if they leave happier than when they first came to talk to me, I did my job. I think that that's what happens when we meet Christ. When we truly meet Christ, if we truly receive the Eucharist the way we're supposed to, if we have a heart that is disposed to God, then we will come to him and we will leave happier. God's going to leave us happier. We're going to leave happier after talking to Christ. And we're going to be able to share that with other people. We're going to see others. We're going to have a conversation with them and we're going to bring them good joy. This is what's going to come from prayer. This is how we know we're getting closer to saintliness. If I'm praying my rosary this month of the, of the, of October, the month of the rosary, and hopefully every month after that, hopefully it becomes a habit and we pray it every day. Then I think we're going to get to the point where we're going to bring that joy to other people and they're going to have happiness in their hearts. Let's look at what St. Joan of Arc has to tell us. This is the mind of St. Joan of Arc, a warrior, a soldier. She says, one life is all we have, and we live it as we believe in living it. But to sacrifice what you are and to live without belief, that is a fate more terrible than dying. This is where she's saying, where is our hearts? What is it that we are living for? If we are not living for God, then that's going to be horrible because what's going to happen at the end? She's saying it's going to be more terrible than dying. Dying as we think of it, dying of the flesh. But she's really alluding to, you know, it's going to be more terrible than what we picture dying. If we don't have that joy in our hearts, if we don't pray to be closer to God, if our life has no purpose, 
then when we come to the pearly gates, what are we going to have to offer God? What are we going to have to show him for this life that he gave us? And that's the other thing that we can think about with the rosary. You know, when we look at the Annunciation, you know, we know this is where we see God's power. Sometimes we forget and we think God can't work in my life or this can never be overcome. Yet we forget that God can do anything. If God can become incarnate uh, of a woman without us thinking of the traditional man and woman marriage, then there's nothing he can't do. He can be born in our lives and we need to have that kind of purpose in our lives. There's nothing that can't happen in my life. There's nothing that can't be accomplished, but I better start praying the rosary so I can train my soul to accept those miracles from God. I think sometimes that's why miracles don't happen in our lives. We ask for them, but our soul's not prepared for them. Um, it's kind of like, you know, if we look at Moses and the 10 commandments and God told him, no, you can't see my face or you will die. You're not prepared to see my face. I have to cover my face. I'm going to turn. You're going to see my back cover your face so you don't see me. You're not ready for that. Your soul's not ready for that. I think sometimes we pray for miracles miracles in our lives. We want things to happen in our lives. We want God to work in our lives at all times, but I don't think we've prepared our souls for that to happen. If we haven't prayed, if we don't sit down and pray our rosaries and focus on how does the life of God mean something to me, then our souls isn't going to be ready for that miracle. God is probably saying, look, I have all these miracles, all these graces. I want to shower on you. I want you to have a great life. I want to make miracles in your life. But you're, you're the one who's blocking it. You're not letting it happen because you're not giving yourself to me in prayer. You're not praying. You're not preparing your soul. That prayer is going to strengthen the soul. The same way you're going to go to the gym and lift weights and your body's going to get stronger. Well, the more you pray, the stronger your soul's going to get. It's going to be lifting weights in that soul. Your soul's going to be really strong. And now it's going to be ready so that it understands the miracles I'm giving you so that it's prepared and strong enough for the incredible miracles that can work in your life. But you're the one blocking it. You haven't been praying. This is what reminds me to pray every day the rosary here in the month of October and always. Let's look at what St. Teresa of Avila has to say. She says, you know, the mind of the saint here, she says, there are more tears shed over answered prayers than over unanswered prayers. Now that's an important quote right there. What does that mean? So just like I was saying, you know, we're praying for miracles. We're praying for things to happen in our lives. And sometimes we've got to remember that God is answering every single prayer. Sometimes we're praying for things that might not be good for us in the long run, that we might not be able to see are not good for us in the long run. And we think, gosh, God is not answering my prayers because he's not giving me what I want. But I think the difference is this. I think if we're praying sincerely and we're not just praying for what we want, if we're praying the rosary sincerely, if we're praying sincerely to God to convert our lives, to really focus on how can I make my life more like Christ, I think we're going to probably shift in what we're asking for in our prayers. And we're probably going to say, Thank you, God, for not answering that prayer because you know better than I. I think I really want that car. I think I really want that job. I think I know my life would be so perfect because we've envisioned it in a certain way. But I think God knows better. And he says, boy, little do you know, if you get that car, it's just not going to work. That car is going to break down in three years and you can't see, you can't foresee that happening. It reminds me of like people who say, gosh, you know, I was so mad. I missed that plane. I was supposed to go to this business meeting. That business meeting was going to change my life forever. And I was going to be rich and happy in this world. And I missed that plane or the plane, the, the flight was delayed. It was canceled. I had to take another plane. And then lo and behold, that plane had an accident. There was something wrong that happened to it. People died or something. And then we think, gosh, God knew better for whatever reason he spared my life. It's not to say that those other people didn't deserve their life being spared. God knew better for them too. Maybe that was the best moment for them to meet God. Maybe that's where their heart had just converted and had they been on earth longer, they would have turned away from God again. We never know. God is the one who knows best and that's the ultimate faith. This is where if I'm praying the rosary, I want my life to be modeled in such a way that I say, 
I don't understand why this is happening, but I know that God is working in my life right now. Please convert my heart so that whatever is happening today, I accept joyfully because I know that this was the best thing that could have happened to me, happened to me today because I'm looking at this with the eyes of faith. And God, you know every fiber of my being. You know what it is I need in my life. And whatever miracle is going to happen, you're going to make happen, but I'm going to make sure I do my part. I'm preparing my soul for that to happen. Let's look at this one. This is St. Pope John Paul II. How do I think like a saint here? Science can purify religion from error and superstition. Religion can purify science from idolatry and false at, uh, absolutes. So again, science can purify religion from error and superstition. And religion can purify science from idolatry and false absolutes. I think this is a wonderful insight. And I think these are the kind of insights we're going to get when we pray uh, our rosary, when we pray our prayers every day. This is wonderful. There's always that debate between science and religion. And I love quotes like this because as a scientist, you know, people ask me all the time, how can you have faith in God? If you're a scientist, if you're a doctor, you know, there's science there. You can't prove God's existence. Well, who's to say that the only thing I believe in is that which I can prove through science. Sometimes I got to look at science so I can prove that which I already believe. Um, but the thing is that we can get it fall into error. We can fall into superstition if we become scrupulous or hyper-religious, as we say, or things along those lines. And we can start to believe that, you know, everything is a shifting miracle that should never happen and defiance of nature. And science can say, whoa, hold on. Yes, God is working through our lives and God has, you know, created the laws of science here around us. But let's look at this from a scientific perspective. You know, we can explain that if everything were like going to a magic show where I'm thinking, wow, I don't know what that magician did. It's truly magic. Science can tell us, no, he probably had a few tricks up his sleeve. At the same time, religion can purify science because science can make, can say, no, this is the only way. This is the only truth. There's nothing else unless there are the laws of science. I'm not going to believe anything else. But religion can remind us there are some miracles that are going to defy those laws that you believe in that you think you know because God has his own law. We're going to follow God's laws, whether they be the natural laws or the laws of miracles. And we're going to come back after the break. All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today, we are talking about becoming a saint while we pray the rosary here on the month of October. There's a purpose to this. There's a purpose. There's a method to our madness. Why do we pray the rosary? Yes, it's important to focus on the life of Christ. Why though? Why do we focus on the life of Christ? Why do we pray? Because we want to transform our souls and we want to become saints. So today we've been talking about uh, the different mysteries of the rosary, what those mean, how we should meditate on those a little bit in terms of what they mean in our lives and on our road to saintliness. And we're talking about quotes from the saints, because if we're going to look at to see if we're on the right path, I want to see those who went before me. What were their thoughts? What were they thinking? Um, we talked a little bit about, you know, if God's not answering our prayers, it's okay. God knows better than we do. St. Isaac of Nineveh tells us, if God is slow in answering your request, or if you ask, but you do not promptly receive anything, do not be upset. Do not be upset for you are not wiser than God. And that's what we were talking about. Sometimes we think we know better. And sometimes we say, hey, this is, you know, I, I see this path and this is the way it's supposed to go. And God says, mm, nope, I've got a different path for you. And we think that's completely the wrong path. Not what I, not what I would have picked. And God says, I know. And I'm going to give you something better. So it reminds us that God is much wiser than we are. Now, here's an interesting quote. I think that this was really important when we think about this because, you know, we're hearing the lives of saints. And I think sometimes we think that the saints are so far beyond us. 
Um, because how could I possibly be a saint? I mean, if I look at this, look at what the saints did. They, they did these miraculous things. Well, I think that that's where we kind of fall short in our thinking. It's not that the saints did miraculous things. It's that they opened themselves to God and God worked through them in the same way we need to open up ourselves to God. But let's see if we don't feel like this sometimes. Um, here's a quote, and I'll explain, and I'll say who the saint was afterwards, one of my favorite saints uh, to think about. It says, I have always wanted to become a saint. Unfortunately, when I have compared myself with the saints, I have always found that there is the same difference between the saints and me as there is between a mountain whose summit is lost in the clouds and a humble grain of sand trodden underfoot by passers-by. Let me read that again. This is interesting because I think this is how we think about the saints sometimes, where we say, do we want to be a saint? Yeah, but it seems so hard. It said, I have always wanted to become a saint. Unfortunately, when I have compared myself with the saints, I have always found that there is the same difference between the saints and me as there is between a mountain whose summit is lost in the clouds and a humble grain of sand trodden underfoot by passerby, passersby. And that was St. Teresa of Lisieux, the little flower. You know, one of the greatest saints that we have, we always quote St. Teresa of Lisieux. I love her little way. I love her approach to loving God and becoming a saint through the most simple of things. And yet she says when she wanted to be a saint, she desired to be a saint, desired to be close to God, but she looked at the lives of saints and she saw them as mountains lost in the clouds, meaning I can't reach that. I can't even see that. They're covered by the clouds. They're so high. They're so high above me. And what am I? I'm just a grain of sand and I'm being stepped on. And I think that that, how is that any different than when we look at the Annunciation? When the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary and she probably said, what are you talking about? You know, this is me. I'm a simple servant of God. I'm just that grain in the sand. I think when we feel that way, I think that that's the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, letting us know it's okay to feel that way because if St. Therese felt that way and she's a doctor of the faith, uh, she got the title of doctor of the faith, which means she was pretty smart. It means that if we are but that grain of sand, for all we know, we let God work in our lives through that humility and everyone else is looking at us as though we were that high peaked mountain. They say, how can I reach that level of saintliness that you're at? And, you're, and we're thinking, what are we doing? What are you talking about? I'm just, I'm nothing. I'm just grain in the sand. I don't mean much of anything. What are you talking about? This is, I think, our true path to saintliness. If we start to feel that way, we start to feel like ah, I'm nothing. I think that's the first step. You know, if I pray this rosary and I realize, gosh, I got so much work to do. I think that's the first first step to saintliness because at least we're aware we're not we're not the deluded we're not thinking that we're greater than what we are um, and I think that that's important not because we should bring ourselves down and make ourselves feel bad but I think that that's how we present ourselves to God so that we're not thinking this is the way I got to do things so that we're thinking God how do you want to work in my life you know if we go back to the sorrowful mysteries we look at the agony in the garden and Christ himself said I don't want this cup I don't want to do this but your will not mine I think when we come before God and say, your will, not mine, I don't understand what's happening. That's where grace is going to grow in our lives. That's where we're going to be the happiest. Let's see here. St. Athanasius tells us, there are fountains of salvation that they who thirst may be satisfied with the living words they contain. In these alone is proclaimed the doctrine of godliness. Let no man add to these, neither let him take out from these. So he's reminding us that you know, when we look at the scriptures, when we look at the words of God, when we look at prayer, we don't want to add or take away. We don't want to make it more than what it is or less than what it is because it's perfect as it is. 
just that sometimes we think, you know, this reminds me when Christ says, you know, don't, don't, uh, just when you pray, don't just be wordy about it. Don't just keep saying words and words and words. Cause sometimes we think, gosh, if we add more words, if I pray more words, if I say more words, God's going to listen to my prayer better. I'm going to do extra credit here and God's going to really, really listen to my prayers. And the reality is no, the prayer is what it is. I've already said my prayer. I've already said my peace. God knows what it is. And he has, I have to believe that with the eyes of faith, he has my best intentions at heart that God's going to do what's best for me because that's how much he loves me. And if I do that, I'm not going to worry about praying more and more and more. I'm going to make sure that my prayer is sincere. So it's not about praying more. It's about when I pray the rosary, that's great. If I can pray, you know, all 20 decades of the rosary in a day, that's great. But am I sincere with each prayer? Because if I'm praying them just quickly, just to get them done, just to make sure that I checked in um, and got my prayer done, I think the Lord would probably appreciate one solid hell Mary said just with good merit than, you know, a rushed, a rushed rosary. No different than sitting with a, you know, with a friend at a coffee shop. If I show up and I say, Hey, how you doing? You know, I'm in a rush. I don't have much time today, but I'm here. I checked in. I said, hi, I saw you. Okay. I'm out of here. Versus if I spent those two minutes and said, you know, I don't have a lot of time, but here's what I do want to tell you. You know, I want to tell you one thing, two things. I'm going to be gone, but I'm going to be back. But I want to tell you how important you are to me. And really, let's make plans for more. Right now, this is all I had time for, but let's make plans again. And we follow through with those plans. That's what's going to be important. That's much more meritorious, I would say. Let's look at another good quote from a saint. Let's see here. I would rather die than do something which I know to be a sin or to be against God's will. That's St. Joan of Arc. I think a lot of times this is where prayer is going to help us. I think a lot of times we compromise in life and we say, you know what? It's okay though, because I think it's good. I think it feels good. I think, um, I, I don't need to sacrifice that. I think it'll be okay because in my mind, I'm going to do what I think is right. But St. John of Arc reminds us that I'd rather not do something which I know to be a sin or to be against God's will. I'd rather die. So it's one of these things that we have to really battle in ourselves. You know, if we're in that place where we recognize that something's wrong. I think it's important to get to confession, to admit that what we're doing is wrong and to walk away from it as much as possible than to offend God. It's hard in this life though, because so many things come before us where we think, gosh, I think, I know, I think I'll be okay. I think I know better. I think God will forgive. God will understand. Um, and at the end of the day, if St. Joan of Arc is telling us, I'd rather die than, than think that way. I think that's something to think about. It's going to be very, very hard in this world to achieve that level of thinking without some major praying, without some sincere friendship with God, without putting God first in our lives. And I think that that's something that, boy, I want to work on for sure. Let's look at another great quote. How do I know I'm being a saint here? How do I know I'm getting closer to saintliness um, than the, by praying the rosary? Well, let's see here. Oh, this is a good one from St. Augustine. Resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. I think this is a really important one when it comes to prayer because we're going to, you know, as I'm praying my rosary this month of October, I need to make amends with people. And if I have resentment or if I'm not forgiving or I have a spirit of unforgiveness in my heart, it's like drinking poison, St. Augustine tells us, and waiting for the other person to die. I hope that when I'm praying my rosary, I'm learning how to forgive because what he's telling me is all I'm doing is poisoning myself. If I have resentment, if I have something against my brother, my sister, my friend, uh, my coworker, um, a politician, whatever it is, if I'm holding resentment and unforgiveness, then all I'm doing is hurting myself. I'm allowing myself to die internally and not a good death, not the death like St. Joan of Arc was saying, I'd rather die because she was saying, I'd rather die in God and the grace of God than to offend God. 
Um, St. Augustine is telling us you're going to, you're going to die internally, uh, by poison. Um, you know, by then, and you're hoping you think that we think that by our resentment or by not forgiving that, yeah, I'm not going to let them get away with that. I'm going to feel really bad and I'm going to be angry and I'm not going to let them get away with that. No, this is poison. Hopefully with the prayer, I'm able to forgive that person because God's going to ask us to forgive them. And we're going to say, so they got to get away with it. So they're going to be lifted up into, yeah, I guess what they are, because I'm hoping the same happens to me. I'm hoping that for my offenses, I get forgiven by other people and by God and that I'm lifted up, that I'm given that moment, uh, to show, to be in in a state of grace, to have dignity. And guess what? So forgiveness, is it just for me? Is it just because, uh, that way I feel better? And I say, you know, I forgive you so that I can be free. Actually, we're freeing each other. So yeah, I'm going to forgive that person. And is that going to help them? I hope so. I hope it get, helps get them to heaven because I know I'm in need of forgiveness. And if I don't forgive them, I'm just holding resentment for myself and for that person. And guess what? This is where we can say, well, I don't want to give that person that the, the advantage. I'm, it's like I'm giving them a, an advantage because I say that. Well, Christ gave us the advantage on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, he's already forgiving us. Why? Because he wanted to take us to heaven in spite of us hurting him. And this is, I think, where if we can pray that rosary, we can create peace. This is where peace is going to happen. This is the message of Fatima. You know, when Our Lady said, pray for peace, pray for peace really means pray that you forgive everybody and that you actually hope heaven for your worst, for who you think is the worst of your enemies. That person you think is the worst person on the face of the planet. I hope that they get to heaven in spite of the, the pain that they've caused me, in spite of, you know, the, the issues, the strife that they've caused me. I hope that they get to heaven. I'm going to pray that they get to heaven. That should really be where our hearts are. Let's look at this one. Mental prayer, in my opinion, is nothing else than an intimate sharing between friends. It means taking the time frequently to be alone with him, God, who we know loves us. The important thing is not to think much, but to love much and to do that, which best stirs you to love. Love is not great delight, but desire to please God in everything. Again, that was St. Teresa of Avila. She's really talking about that friendship with God. You know, that prayer, uh, that mental prayer is that form of being in love with God, of desiring God and desiring to please God above all else. That's really where our hearts are and that's where they should be. Um, we gain that through prayer. We can, we, you know, we pray to, in order to, to gain that friendship. You know, if we're going to sit there in prayer, we're going to gain that friendship. Um, let me see a couple more uh, quotes here at the end of the hour. Um, there is nothing evil save that which perverts the mind and shackles the conscience. That's St. Ambrose. He's talking about, um, you know, what's going to pervert the mind, shackle the, the, the conscience. Well, obviously sin, right? So the, the devil perverts the mind and sin is going to shackle the conscience. It's going to put shackles on there. Uh, St. Ambrose tells us that. How are we going to fight that? We're going to fight that with prayer. We pray our rosaries. We're not going to be shackled. We're going to fight the devil off and we're going to be ourselves. And then here, as we're coming to a close for the show, I want to thank everybody for listening. Keep praying that rosary, you know, those mysteries of the rosary, focus on them, focus on the life of Christ, the life of Our Lady. Think about how much God loves us, because that way, as we're praying and going through our everyday, we're going to become a saint. Look at the quotes from the saints. Look at what they have to say about being a saint. It's not easy. And through prayer, we're going to get there. One last quote, St. Pope John Paul II, I'll leave you with this. The future starts today not tomorrow. Let's start that prayer today. Let's make that effort for God today. And until next time, this is Dr. Sandoval saying, keep it Catholic here on the Dr. Sandoval Show.